Praise God. Well, um, I think Irene was saying last night, she mentioned the overcomer. But I just want to give you a few thoughts this morning. I don't quite know where this is going to go, but (laughs) from the book of Revelation. Um, The book of Revelation has been quite a contentious book for the past decades of the church. People have had their very different interpretations of the prophetic element of it. And, uh, <laughs> and some of it has been a bit hair-raising and a bit, well, fantastic and really makes you wonder whether it's at all feasible. But I'm not to judge. Let the law be the judge. But there's another element to the book of Revelation which, in my opinion, is much more important than the prophetic side of it and that is the spiritual side of it. So the book of Revelation really has, yes, a prophetic side, and you know God knows exactly what's going to happen at the end. Everything is carefully planned. God is a master planner. Everything in detail is planned. If you look at the first advent, The church didn't really have much idea, did they? Be fair. (laughs) They didn't really think that their Messiah would come in the way he came. And you know, it was only those people that were close to the Lord that actually knew what was going on. And there are a lot of nosy people in the church. You don't like people nosing into your business, do you? Unless they're very close. And you know when God was going to visit Sodom and Gomorrah, nobody knew but Abram. (laughs) And you know if we want to know what's going to happen, we'll have to be close to the Father. Because when you get close to him, he tells you things that he doesn't tell other people. And I think a lot of the stuff that is put out in the book of Revelation and in time prophecy is highly improbable, highly questionable, and just a very good merchandising exercise. That's what I think. But there is a much more serious side to it, and that is the spiritual side, what I call the spiritual element of the book of Revelation. So in my opinion, there's two sides to the book of Revelation. And, <clears throat> and really, um, if you look at the different uh, ways in which it's been interpreted, the Catholic Church is, is, has really um, uh, interpreted it in the, what they call the preterist view, which is everything is past. This prophecy, this Revelation was for the early church, not for us. Right. Then you have the futuristic view, which was popularized by a man called J.N. Darby, Church of England minister in the 1800s, 30s, 50s, who was a man of God without question, founded the Brethren Movement. You've heard of the Brethren Movement, haven't you? Now, the Brethren Movement were very big on this, and many people that came into Pentecost, Assemblies of God particularly, were ex-Brethren people, and they brought all this stuff with them, you know, about the prophetic element, about the book of Revelation. It all came from J.N. Darby, 
and a very popular man at that name, a Scotsman in London, can't remember his name actually, Muck something. Uh, anyway, there's always been a prophetic element in the church. A lot of it to be is pathetic. Just don't get it. <laughs> I like to stay on the main road of truth. <laughs> I like to stay on the things of God that feed your spirit, that feed your faith. And God is going to do whatever he's going to do, but the question is, are we ready? Are we ready to meet the Lord? Think about it. When that baby came into the temple, when Simeon was in the temple, he was expecting something. And by revelation of God, he knew that that baby was the Christ. That's revelation. Well, the book of Revelation is the key to give you revelation. To uncover what is hidden about who? The Lord Jesus Christ. That is the important person. If this is the important person, we mustn't get lost in the about the, the beast and the 666 and the tribulation and the, and the millennium and the rapture. Look, the, the rapture is going to happen, whether you like it or not. The Lord is coming. And he's coming, as it says, as a thief in the night, like that. And you'll be gone. And the question is, are we ready? Think of the first advent. How many people knew that Jesus was Jesus? Not that many. Not that many. Every one of those disciples was looking for the Messiah. That's why they found him. And the forerunner, John the Baptist, as we've heard with Tony before, was leading people to Christ, wasn't he? He followed John the Baptist and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. You see, and the Spirit, and I'll probably minister on that tomorrow about the Holy Spirit, but... You see, if we are in tune with God, we're going to get a revelation, aren't we, about who the Lord Jesus Christ really is. Haven't we? I mean, we've got probably, every one of us has got a slightly different revelation of who Jesus is, depending on our state of spiritual growth. Isn't it? You know, some people think that, um, you know, there's a very limited way, and there's an unfortunate thing in the church today, that we have ministries that sort of want to be your mediator. And thank God for those ministries. They help people. They bring them in. But there's got to come a point in time where you grow up enough to feed yourself. Isn't it? You're not supposed to be fed by some ministry's bottle the whole time. You've got to be weaned off the milk onto the meat. And that takes your involvement in your spiritual growth to do that. You're not going to get there just by other people. Thank God for the fivefold ministry, but there's got to come a time in you and you put your head down. Now, if you read the opening chapter of the book of Revelation you'll find that this is what uh, the Apostle John says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's who it is. 
Come on, this is what it's all about. He gave to me to show to his servants, etc., etc. And then verse 3 it says, these three things, and I want you to think about it. Blessed is he that what? Readeth. And they that hear what you read. Do you know you can read something without hearing it? You can lose it after you've read it, hear it, and the third thing, keep it. So what is the book of Revelation saying to you? What is John? Look here, John saw Jesus in the flesh. He walked with him. He put his head on his bosom. He was the closest to Jesus. He, he you know, tomorrow morning we get into the discourse in John 14, 15, 16, and you can see how John was so close that he could recall all that information. He was in tune with God, and so he was getting truth come to him. But now Jesus is gone. He's in glory. John has never seen Jesus glorified in heaven, but now he's seeing him glorified in heaven, and he's telling us what he saw. So what he's doing, he's uncovering the glorification and the, and the powers of God in heaven and revealing to us how powerful the Lord Jesus Christ is. That he's got all power. And so what he's trying to show us, and so he goes down in John and he says, these are the five things, he says. And he talks about the seven churches and he says, John, to the seven churches within Asia, grace be to you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is, to, which is to come, and from the seven spirits. Well, you know, if you studied Ezekiel and the tabernacle, you know the candelabra is of the seven spirits of the seven churches, the seven angels. This is a God thing, isn't it? This is a God thing we're talking about here. And from Jesus, and then it says about Jesus, he's number one, the faithful witness, the first begotten from the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. He's loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and then he's made us what? Kings and priests. Through what he's done, he's made you a king and a priest. But do you know it? Do you know you're a king and a priest? You see, people talk about, I want this ministry, that ministry. Look, the glory way is about being priests in God's house. We don't talk about ministries. We talk about your priestly service to God. You're called. This is what you call by what Jesus has done. The faithful witness has washed you in his blood to be a king. We'll come to that in a minute, but a priest. You say, what does that mean? Well, think about a little a person in the Old Testament. Think about Hannah. Think about her. Hannah is looking at the priesthood. You're not stupid, Hannah, like nobody else is stupid in Israel. You got a priesthood that's pretty rotten, didn't you? And she's saying, Lord, if you give me seed, 
seed, I will give that offspring to the Lord. Do you know, it's amazing to me that when you study the Old Testament, that women weaned children until they were five years old. Think about it. They weaned them and fed them from the breast until they were five. Because you remember Mephishaboth, he got dropped when he was five. He was being weaned. He, he, he was being carried and dropped. Well, our five years old are, and are in school today. They're not weaned, not carried about. <laughs> Don't know what kind of super milk those women have, but poof. But anyway, <laughs> this, you know, this, this, this is the whole point. And this little boy was put into the tabernacle, and he wasn't of the house of Levi. He wasn't supposed to be in there. But you see, faith, believing in the Christ, believing in the seed, supersedes, like you said, the tabernacle of David. It supersedes all the, all the dispensations. You move straight into the promise. Faith doesn't know any time. Noah found favor and he got saved. He got, right, he got righteousness imputed to him and he saved himself and his whole household. And he saved a seed royal. Out of Abraham came. Think about it. Think about this now. If you can get a revelation that John had, that John is trying to show us here, of the, of the glorified Christ, and that you're called to be a priest like Samuel, and Samuel had to learn. He was reading, but he heard, he didn't, he didn't know God's voice. God wants to speak to you, but are you hearing? And Eli said to him, when God comes again and calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And Samuel began to hear God. Well, God has called you into his house. Hebrews 12, Mount Zion. See, this is what upsets me about all this revelation, you know, interpretation. You know, they're going to rebuild the temple. Now, come on, be real. Jesus says, you see this temple, it's going to be destroyed, and I rebuild it in three days. Is he talking about rebuilding an earthly temple? No! You are the temple. You are the living stones. You are part of the new Jerusalem. You inhabit eternities, as Paul keeps telling us. We are part of eternity now. We are worshippers of the new Jerusalem. You know, Connie was always singing about Jerusalem Fair. I long to be there. You know, you know, we got a revelation of, of the new creation. Well, this is what the book of Revelation is all about. It's telling you about the glorified Christ who sits in power, and then he's telling you how to reign as a king. He's telling you how to overcome. So he's telling you what Christ has done that you're a priest, that you're a king. And the next two chapters he says, I'm coming to your church and I'm going to do a diagnostic test on your body. The body of Christ in your church. 
And this is the diagnostic question. He comes to the seven churches and he gives them a medical, spiritual medical examination. Yeah. And this is where it gets serious. And you can tell why people don't want to read the book of Revelation because the revelation, whether it's the prophetic side, which seems to be so complicated, and it is, and then you've got the spiritual side that seems to come down like a load of brick, ton of bricks. But you've got to take the medicine. You know, if the specialist says to you, you've got to do this, you better do it. He's the, he's the specialist in the body of Christ. He can tell you where we're missing it, where we're failing it, and what's wrong with us. And we need to repent and get rid of it and obey God. In other words, need to read, need to hear, and obey. Now, this is, not, this is strong stuff. This is not something for, for babies, you know. <laughs> This is not easy. It's not easy to read these seven things. And I personally believe that all these seven things are going on in the church now. And they've gone on in every dispensation of the church. And you can be in one church and it's got something wrong with it there and something wrong with it there. But you're not to look at the church. You're to look at the message and look at Jesus and get a revelation of how you can walk and live and reign as a king and be a priest in God's house and, and be in contact with heaven and hear from heaven. Do you know I was praying the other night and this is the... This, and I was praying and, and the Lord said to me, I mean, many years ago, you, pray, you, you, you play those keys on the piano, like Julia does. We play the keys, the black and white keys. And we need musicians, and we need praise, we need worship. But you know, God wants to give us keys, revelation, that open the treasures of heaven. You unlock them, and you get revelation. And truth. And that truth feeds you. It's the living word of God. It comes from heaven, fresh. And that's what we need. And God is giving to us the keys to unlock. He's given to Julie the keys to unlock those treasures. And as Jesus said to those disciples on the beach, don't just love my lambs, you feed my lambs. And it's wonderful when we get a word from heaven, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful when we get a word fresh from heaven? And it comes into our spirit and it, oh, it quickens us. It makes us alive and we think, that is what I need. That's just what I needed. Well, God is here to feed you. If you'll be a priest. Do you know the priest got the best portion of everything? <laughs> they get the best of everything. <laughs> You can have the best of everything. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm having a job with this. I expect you are. Because we've got so many things going on. There's so many things going on in this world, isn't there? There's so much communication. There's so much interference. We got so, but somehow we've got to detach ourselves. 
you know, God put poor old John the Apostle on a prison island. He couldn't do anything else. <laughs> yeah. And God put him there and gave him this revelation. I believe that as you, as, as it says, there is a blessing in this book. I believe there is a blessing in this book. If you can take the, because you go on now, and, and then the Lord speaks to him directly. I've got it in red in my Bible. If you, verse 11. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. What I write, write in a book and send it to these seven churches. And I turned to see, John says, the voice that spoke to me, and I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the candlesticks, one, he said, like to the Son of Man. Now he's getting a revelation of the glorified Christ. One like the clothed with a garment down to the foot. That means his royalty. And girt about the paps with a golden girdle. That means he's king of kings. His head and his hair were white as wool and snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. He's pure and holy. His feet burned like fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. That's the triumphant gospel. And he had in his right hand the seven stars, and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword. And his countenance was the sun, and shineth in his strength. He's judge of all. And this is what happened to John. When I saw him, I fell as dead at his feet. And he said, he laid his right hand and said, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And amen, and have the what? The keys of death and hell. Write these things. And then he gives these seven messages. See, John now is beginning to understand how powerful Jesus is and how, what tremendous glory he is in the midst of the throne. So Revelation reveals his, him as the standing in the candlesticks. Now, for the sake of time, I won't go through all, all these seven churches, but you, you can read them. But the word that keeps coming out, the diagnosis of these different churches all have different conditions, don't they? Some of them are repeated, this whole business about Baal, and Balaam, and Nicolaitans. Well, we've got the same problem in the church today. Exactly the same problem. History keeps repeating itself. We have a gospel. I was listening to a preacher I listened to, and he said, I'm shocked when I go to this church because they all go out and they all have a good drink of beer after the service. And in fact, they've got a local brewery that gives them bottles to this church, delivers them to the church. Now, I don't agree with that. I think that's bail. But that's the church today. That was the church in Gideon's day, wasn't it? Dual worship. But, the, but what Jesus is saying here to the church, you repent of that. You can't have you can't serve, Jesus says, God and mammon. Can you? That's why we're called to serve as priests. Why was it 
that God called upon Hannah to pray and have Samuel and put him in there to deal with the priesthood that was unholy. You can't have an unholy priesthood. And this is the problem. So the seven messages to the church are very, very important. You can read them. You know, and, and then it says at the end, you, if you do this, if you will look at your church and look at yourself and repent of these things, you'll be an overcomer. In other words, you'll reign. You'll become what Jesus says, a king, because you'll reign, because you'll overcome, and you can be a priest in my house, like Samuel, and you'll hear God. And, and I was thinking, Lord, help us to understand what these things are. And, and as Irene said, uh, the, I mean, the Ephesus church, to him that overcometh will I eat, eat to give the tree of life in the midst of paradise and God. Well, Jesus is the tree of life. Jesus says, you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and you've got life in you. Come on. We, we, we mustn't let the enemy dilute the gospel in your life because if he, you'll lose the power to reign and to be a priest in God's house. God removed Hophni and Phinehas. Why? Because they were impure. And you know, I think, as you go on and read in Pergamos, it says, as the doctrine, the whole doctrine of Nicolaitans, repent. He said, then here, and he says, I give you to the overcomer will eat the hidden manna, etc. And you read these things about the overcomer. They eat the tree of life, not hurt by the second death. They eat the hidden manna. Where? That's behind the veil. You'll reign in power, in life. You'll be a pillar in the house of God. You'll be clothed with the raiment of Christ, justification of righteousness. And your name will not be blotted out of the book of life. And you'll be granted to sit with Christ in my throne with my Father. This is the overcomer. You can read it. The seven things, the overcomer, the benefits that he gets. Now, the enemy is going to do everything he can do to stop you getting hold of this. Because he knows if once you become a priest and a king, you have, you have access, as it says, behind the veil which we have in Christ, and we've got to make, make sure we make use of it, and get in there, get a word from God, and you can ask and pray, and things will happen. They will. Things will happen. Why? Because you are a true priest, and you're reigning in life, you become an overcomer. So I'm saying to you, study the book of Revelation. Read it. Hear it. <laughs> Obey it, and it will bless you. Look. Look, it's going to happen. The second coming is coming. Jesus is going to reign. Now, what, what, you know, there's parts of the church now, they believe they're in the millennium. There are other parts of us don't think we're in the millennium. There are others that think uh, we're in the tribulation. Some people think there's a great tribulation that's coming. But I can tell you, whatever's going to happen, you're going to have to be ready. And, and you've only got one life, and when are you going to go home? You don't know. <laughs> So you better make sure you are ready now in case the Lord comes for you now so you're ready when he comes. And if you're still alive and he comes as a thief in the night and you're not ready, well, 
you know, I remember Connie's mother, Mrs. Marshall, there was a teaching at those times, you know, in the early days of Glory Way, where there was what they called the Bride of Christ. They believed in the Bride of Christ, and they were separate from the other church people. <laughs> now, whether this is right, I don't know. But it was only the Bride. They thought it was the 144,000, you know, the overcomers. Now, there's some people who think the 144,000 is a literal number. I heard this woman say the other day, and there are 144 Jewish men, and they're all virgins, and they're going to do all these exploits. Well, they said, well, fantastic, you know. It's, no, and these numbers are symbols. They are types, they are parabolic. They're, t- they're telling us that God has got, got an order of sevens and threes and twelves and thousands and thousand times thousands, and all these numbers are numbers of the kingdom. They're not literal numbers in my opinion, but I could be wrong. (laughs) But what I'm saying to you, let's concentrate on the spiritual aspect of the book of Revelation and let it teach us to be an overcomer. Read those things. And and are you falling into any of these holes and traps that the enemies put in those seven messages to the churches? Are you being seduced in any way, by the world. You know, it's subtle, mine. Idolatry is subtle. Isn't it? Very subtle. You can start to worship something else very quickly, mine, if you don't keep in the spirit. If you don't keep your prayer life going. If you don't keep your intercession going. If you don't meditate the word of God. And the other day, the Lord was on my case, and he took me to to read this, and I, I read three versions of the Bible, I read the NLT, the Authorized, and the Amplified. Now, you, you know, you, you can choose whatever versions you want, whatever helps you. I find these versions help me. I compare them, and I look at them, and I see, well... So I picked up my NLT, and this is what I read in 1 Peter 1. The Lord was speaking to me about myself. <laughs> he said, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. Isn't that wonderful? He knew you, and he chose you long ago. Isn't that wonderful? He knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you what? Holy. As a result, you obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. What does it say in Revelation? You've been washed in the blood. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. And it is. I've been born again. Have you? It's his mercy. It is. It's his mercy. And... Because Christ, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and now we live with what? Great expectation. The Lord said to me, are you living with great expectation? Are you worrying about this, that, and the other? As the bishop said last night, the enemy wants to worry you with all sorts of nonsense. He said, but we've got to start praising God and worshipping God. That's part of your spiritual service. That's part of your priestly service. Isn't it? 
Is he exalted this? And isn't that right? Do you remember there's a great woman uh, in the 1930s? What was her name? No, the other woman. No. Hmm? No. Anyway, a woman, she's written wonderful books. Uh, you know the woman, I Lillian Yeomans. And she's got a little sermon on the praise cure. <laughs> and Henry used to say, it's our secret weapon. <laughs> and it is. It's our secret weapon. You know, we've got to start praising God. As Alan said, you've got to, you've got to well, as Paul says in place, you've got to speak to yourself. And when you speak to yourself, he says, start rejoicing. As he said, start jumping. Or you say, my body's not too good. Don't, don't worry about your body. Just start jumping. I came in a lot of pain last night, and somebody spoke from here, and he went from them into me, and the pain left. Yeah. I could get up, and I could dance then in the meeting. And I've been fine ever since. Do you know the word is what? Quick. And it's powerful. <laughs> it's quick and it's powerful. Isn't it wonderful? You know, there's certain words that stick in your mind. It's always remember that word the Lord gave Julie about the breakfast on the beach. <laughs> Do you know you can have breakfast with Jesus every morning? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, and he doesn't have cook some good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and this is what it says, and as I read on this, it says here, and we have what? A priceless inheritance. Are you worried about how much assets you've got? Well, you've got a priceless inheritance up there. (laughs) An inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and defiled, beyond the reach of depreciation, or a fall in the market, (laughs) and decay. (laughs) And through faith, God is protecting you by his power. Oh, that's wonderful. Will you be a king and a priest? Because if you will, he'll protect you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So it says in in this NLT, so be truly glad. Be truly glad. Don't be depressed. This is a wonderful joy ahead of you, even though you have to endure many trials. And these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire is tests and purifies gold. Because your faith is more precious, far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong, this is what we've got to do, remain strong, isn't it? Through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory when Christ is revealed to the whole world. And this is the, the particular verse. I, I, would, I think it's a good idea if you went home now and every morning you read 1 Peter 1, every morning for a week, and 2 Peter 1. It'll get your mind straight now. It will. It'll straighten your mind out. And I like this in the NLT. A call to holy living. It says, 
So think clearly and exercise self-control. <laughs> think clearly and look forward to the gracious salvation which will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better, but now you must be holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy, for I am holy. And then the, notice this statement here, and this, is, this is, ties in with those seven messages. He says, Peter says, and remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. No. Why? He says, he would judge or reward you according to what you do. So are you taking dominion? Am I taking dominion? Are you an overcomer? Are you exercising your priestly service? Or are you just wanting to go to church and be bottle-fed and spoon-fed? No. We need to grow up so we can feed ourselves. Know how to cook yourself a good spiritual meal. <laughs> Meditation cooks what you get from the word. It turns it into spiritual food that nourishes your new man. You're, you see, you are a body. You're a spirit, yes. You're born of God, but you've got a soul. And you've got a body you live in. And if you don't get your soul right, this is why James says, you must receive the engrafted word on a daily basis because it's able to what? Save your souls. Renew your spirit. And then, and then the power of God is able to move from your spirit through your soul to your body and your body gets strengthened. How was it that Moses, at 120, his natural eye wasn't dim and his natural force abated? He was living in the power of God. This was way before the cross. And yet he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. His faith crossed the dispensations. As Paul said last night, the tabernacle of David on Mount Zion crossed the dispensations. No veil. Just the ark. And was he an overcomer? And was he a king? Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was a man after God's own heart. He made some mistakes, and we make mistakes. But God, he repented. When the book of Revelation tells you when you make a mistake and God shows you a thing, you repent. And he never lost a battle. He was a man of war. And we must be these men and women. God is calling his people to, you know, Henry always used to say, this is, what would he say now? He used to say, um, um, the priesthood of the believer. That's what he called it. And you know, we are called. Now, not many people will want this calling. But do you know, when I try to abdicate my, I think I want to retire now, and the Lord says, 
you can't retire. This is your job. <laughs> there is no retirement, he told me the other day. I said, this is all hard work. Yes, well, keep working, he told me. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Keep working. If you stop working, you'll probably die. That was the word of the Lord to me. So I thought, Lord, I'm keeping going. (laughs) 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 I'm keeping going. (laughs) You know, God has got a way of putting you straight, you know. Anyway, I'm reading 1 Peter every day. It is helping me. Uh, what is this word he keeps giving to me? So think clearly and exercise self-control. Yeah. By um, God has got a job with some of us, and he? he's had a job with me anyway. Ask Irene. You see, one of the problems is for me, I don't know whether you've got this problem as well, but I, I am not a very patient person, you know. I have a problem with this patience business. I was coming up that, that road the other yesterday, coming up here, and there was some black in a big black van thing, and he was crawling along at 35 miles an hour, and I felt like shouting abuse at him, and the Lord said, shut up! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe I need to slow down. <laughs> But all these things test us. You see, and as Peter says in his wonderful epistle, Peter's got a lot. I tell you what, you need to read Peter a lot. Peter's epistle's got a lot to say to us in the church, I can tell you. He's quite uh, wonderful. And as he says in 2 Peter 1, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, self-control, and then comes patience. You know, it's like you're on a train, though, waiting to go somewhere. And you've come to the the, uh, train stop at Virtue, and you say, Lord, I want patience. Ah, but you've got to wait and develop yourself to wait on that train for God to train you to come to a place when you get to the train station at Virtue. You have to come to knowledge. I've got to get to know something. And then you've got to be, have self-control, and then you'll have patience. So what is patience? Patience is the ability to endure mm. hardness. And we don't like hardness. We don't like it when things get hard. Without murmuring. <laughs> now, this is a problem for me. <laughs> murmuring. You know, if you read the book of Hebrews, there's a lot about murmurs and complainers. God doesn't seem to like these people who murmur and complain. He doesn't. And it comes by how you react. How are you reacting to strange people, offensive people? You know, we've got a property up in Gloucestershire, and the neighbor next door is a neighbor from hell. Her name, oh, I don't give you a name, but anyway. And uh, she's causing a lot of trouble for people. And the, and the person that's in the property said to me, that person's got it in for me. I thought, yes, she has. 
You know, you get these people that want, are nosing in your business and want to know about your business. And they told me, he's put a big shed up on the land, and they said, the local people rang me up and said, we think he's making bombs in there. I said, don't be ridiculous, he can't be making bombs in there. <laughs> this is Gloucestershire village people, you know, they're a bit, Arr. Gloucestershire village people, ooh, arr. We, we've, we've, we've had a very quiet village till you came here and all this, and it's all I hear and all that. Look here, there's somebody here to wind you up. But we haven't got to be white. Patience is something we need. We, it, it, we, you know, it develops. You know, what, this is what James says, produce patience which is, which is able to produce in you a perfect work. Well, I'd like to be better, wouldn't you? I'd like to be mature and, and better. So when, so when this neighbour comes to me, I don't feel like eat, eating her up, you know, and, and going for her. And Philip was with me, and he said, if that woman comes again, we're walking the other way, he told me. I said, that's a good idea. We'll walk the other way. You know, there are people around that seem to, seem to want to provoke you. So patience gives you what you need in your life. And I'm coming to see... That whatever you're going through, if you, read, if you read these scriptures, I think they're going to help you. Because I believe there are seven blessings for this overcomer. He eats the tree of life. Well, I'd like to be able to eat the tree of life. He's not hurt by the second death. He eats the hidden manna. That means revelation truth that comes from behind the veil. And that's wonderful. I think we all need that. We all need that. We're given a new name. We will reign in life, in power. We'll be a pillar in the house of God. We'll be clothed with his righteousness and granted to sit with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, the, the point about all this is that if we don't take the treatment, and when the diagnosis comes in our life, we, if we don't heed the spirit, you see, the, see the, the church seems over sort of concerned about condemnation. See, the point about it is, if you're born of God and a child of God, you've moved from condemnation because you're justified. And so the whole problem for the church is they don't grasp that that the gospel is more than forgiveness of sins, it's justification. Amen. You're declared righteous. But what they're confusing condemnation with is conviction. The Holy Spirit will convict you when you're not doing or thinking right. Or, you're, you, you know, there's conviction will come on your life and you'll have, like, something in here with not going like this. They'll tell you, don't touch it. And you know, we can be very inquisitive people. We can stick our nose into things sometimes we shouldn't stick our nose in. Mm. And maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, leave it alone. Concentrate on this. Concentrate on being a priest in my house and being what I want you to be. And here is the challenge, you see, because 
We live in a church that's not much different in any age. The same things, history keeps repeating itself. The enemy uses the same tactics as he used against Israel, as he used against the early church. And think about this message now. This is before John the Apostle died, isn't it? This is the early church he's speaking to, isn't he? <laughs> Think about these messages. You read them. And I was thinking, Lord, help us to examine ourselves, to see whether we've been in the faith. Don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, look at yourself. Isn't that wonderful? You know, you know, don't think too highly, Paul says, about yourself. Think soberly, he says. Think as God has given to everyone the measure of faith. And you see, when we think about this, this revelation, it's in the, in, in the revelation, it's an uncovering of who Christ is, that he's Lord, but if he is to be Lord in your life, you're going to have to take up your priestly service and you're going to have to be an overcomer. And you? It's not going to work, you see, if you don't do this. I mean, you take back now, if you go back, you know when Samuel went into the house of God, and remember he had that word about the priesthood and that God was going to remove the priesthood and he was going to bring another seed, which of course is Christ. He was prophetic of Christ, wasn't it? And everything really, as as I said to you many times, the central person that walks through the 66 books is the Lord Jesus Christ. You must read this as though Jesus is speaking to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and you, see, you see, Samuel, it says Samuel was getting old and his sons didn't walk in his ways. And what did the people say to Samuel in, in 1 Samuel 8? He said, and uh, they said, Behold our old night, now make us a king to judge us like what? All nations. But Israel wasn't like all nations. They were called out of all these nations. And there's something about the church today that wants to bring the world into, be like the world, isn't it? In order to be compatible, to try and appease them. You can't do that. You can't do it. And what happened was, and this is what God said, and the Lord said to Samuel, hearken to the voice of this people, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should reign over them. Think of that now. What have we just read in Revelation? That we'll reign as an overcomer and be a priest. You see, and this is the whole problem for us as God's people, and me in particular, and probably you. Will I let Jesus reign in my life? Will I let him be Lord of my life? I don't need another mediator. There is only one mediator, the man Christ Jesus, isn't it? This is subtle mind. This is the Nicolaitan doctrine that in Revelation where... You're putting somebody between you and Jesus. Won't work. You'll never grow. 
You'll never develop. You'll never uh, uh, progress in your priestly service. You will never reign and overcome because you're relying to the arm of flesh instead of Christ himself. And this is what he says, according to their works. And this is what God said to about these people. According to all the works which they've done since the day I brought them out of Egypt to this day, wherein they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. And now therefore hearken to the voice, how be it, protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Will you let Jesus, will I let Jesus reign in my life? Am I going to say what I think about everything, or am I going to say what the Word thinks? This is the challenge, isn't it? This isn't easy for us, because we can easily be moved. That's why we need patience. That's why we need to develop what Peter says in in his epistle. To develop our spiritual life, he says, so we don't scrape into heaven like like, uh, Lot. Lot scraped into heaven, didn't he? But Abraham had an abundant entrance into heaven. In fact, he's the father of the faith. (laughs) Are you going to be a Lot that scrapes in, saved us by fire, and be in heaven in some shack cleaning? Oh, when we clean, there's no dirt in heaven, is there? No. Um, But what, what, (laughs) doing something, you know, this is a big subject. You've You've got to start thinking about this. You've got to start thinking about it. Get your spiritual hat on. Start getting revelation from the revelation. Start reading what Jesus says about these churches. Because you could be one of those people in the church and, and suffering from the condition of that church. Yeah. This is difficult for us. Do you know every man and woman of faith I read about in the, in the Bible, they were on their own with God. I tell you what, it's better to be on your own with God than to be in a messed up company of people. I think so. Don't you? And I believe God can train you. And you know, we re- if you read Samuel, you can read this account of Samuel, this bloke Saul, and they, you know, he's head and shoulders and better looking than everybody else. He looked wonderful. Yeah. The bloke was a bit of a nutter, you know. He was a... Phew. What he, what he got up to and built monuments to himself and all sorts of nonsense. And you see, if you ask for something from God, you might get it, but you'll regret the day you ever asked for it. Yeah, you're better without it. God knows what you want. He knows what I want. And he, just, he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and God will provide what you need. If you lust after they lusted after this king, and that king was their downfall. David was a magnificent king, but he, he, liked, he liked this woman Bathsheba. You know, the whole thing is crazy, you know, absolutely crazy. Goes off with this woman, and Absalom says, and Absalom's been with him all these years as his chief of military staff, and Absalom says, what's gone wrong with this man? And he thinks, Absalom thinks, I'm going to put my hand in here, and I'm going to get Absalom on the throne and get rid of this adulterer. You see, you can't interfere with God's plans. You ask for a king, and then you get a Solomon. And what was Solomon? 
Well, you know, is the, is the Jewish rabbi say the idiocy of Solomon? No, we only want one king, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's who we need. Well, I, I'm, I'm under trial. I'm under this. So the book of Revelation, to me, is not all about prophecy. It's all about a spiritual inheritance and, and content that is a bit heavy, but we need to take the medicine. Because if we can take the medicine, we'll develop. And we become a king and a priest. And we'll be like, am I going on too long now? Yes. No. We become a king and a priest. So the book of Revelation, in my opinion, is my easy, my easy interpretation of it is, Revelation 1 is the glorified Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the holder of the keys of death and hell. Two and three is the seven messages to the seven churches, seven warnings, the need to, over to repent and become an overcomer. Chapter four, the revelation of heaven and the Lamb and the worthy to receive glory and honor and power to open the seals of judgment. Chapters five to 11, the persecution of the church down through the ages, the antichrist, the devil, the martyrs, the persecution and spiritual warfare. Revelation 12, the removal of Satan from his heavenly realm when Jesus took his blood into heaven. Satan no longer has access where he once had. 13 to 18, God's judgment of ungodly nations down through the church age. Revelation 19, the victory of the Lamb, the King of Kings. Revelation 20, the final demise of Satan and the judgment. Revelation 21, the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 22, the new Jerusalem and the city of God. Leave the end times to Jesus. He knows what he's doing. Be ready when he comes. Have oil in your lamps. Keep your lights on in your house. Come on. This is what we've got to do. We must do it. We've got to do this. Let's read what Peter says. Just read, and I finish then, I'll just read to you what Peter says in his epistle, this wonderful epistle. If I can find it. Uh, Peter 1. This is what he says. In 2 Peter 3. Let me remind you that in the last days scoffers will come, mocking truth, following their own desires. They have said, what will happen to the promise of Jesus coming? From before the times our ancestors, everything has remained the same. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command and brought the earth out of water and surrounded it. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And this is what he says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They have been kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But forget, do not forget this one thing. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is a day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some people think. No, he's patient and doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. For the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. 
and the very elements themselves would disappear in fire, and the earth in everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So everything around you is going to be destroyed. What holy and godly lives you should live. So look forward to the day. On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But, he says, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth he has promised. A world that's filled with God's righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. It's all going to happen very sudden. Read that, and you read that, what Paul Peter says there, and read some of their interpretations of the book of Revelation. Doesn't that up? But there we are. I'm not an expert on the prophetic, but I'm telling you, there's two elements to Revelation. It's the spiritual side we need to concentrate on, and when God the Holy Spirit starts to correct you, you listen and repent and turn God's way, because God's way is the only way. And thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Lord, we pray for your people, that we will be a people who will take our calling seriously, that we will not become passive and inactive, but the Lord, you'll help us to realize you called us to serve and to reign as kings and to be an overcomer. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're always mindful of us, that you care for us and you love us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.